0: Hi, I'm Varun Haran. I'm Senior Editor with Information Security Media Group. I'm speaking with Ashish Thapar, who is the Managing Principal APJ for Investigative Response with Verizon. And we are going to be discussing the latest data breach investigations report, which is Verizon's annual report into breaches worldwide. Ashish is going to be talking about some of the highlights and then some of the action points and recommendations for practitioners around the world. Hi, Ashish. Thanks for joining us again. Absolutely. Thank you,
1: Varun, for having me.
0: So, Ashish, the first question, of course, like I always ask you, it's another year gone by. What are some of the highlights of the 11th edition of the DBIR, which is one of the most popular annual study into breaches that you can share with the audience?
1: Absolutely, Varun. Thank you very much. So, it's basically that DBR is based on analysis of real-world security incidents and confirmed data breaches. This uh, report is actually created by security practitioners for security practitioners. And, of course, uh, the information that is contained in the report is essentially supplied by not only Verizon, but the who's who in the world of cybersecurity across 67 partners, covering thousands of companies based in 65 countries. In terms of the numbers that we see, it's obviously the 11th edition. Last year was our 10th anniversary. Edition. we have more than 53,000 incidents and about 2,216 data breaches that we are covering in this report. It starts with high-level trends and findings from this year's data, goes on to some of the problems and challenges that enterprises face today with respect to ransomware, malware, botnet, and denial of service attack. And of course, we cover about the social engineering aspect, you know, how humans that are so critical in the security chain could also be the weakest link in the chain. We also then talk about the nine incident classification patterns. And then, of course, talking very specifically about some of the industries, because we truly believe one-size-fits-all doesn't work in the security arena. And that's why we would like to really dig deeper into various industries from where we have sufficient data available. And then, finally, we wrap things up in the InfoSec events from 2017.
0: Right, so these are some of the highlights, what you mentioned, insider threat, ransomware, DDoS attacks, and things like that. We've seen so much activity in the past year. I mean, 2017 was probably the most intense year ever for security. Who is behind these breaches, and who are the victims?
1: Yeah, that's a very interesting point, Varun. What we see in terms of the threat actors, we see majority of the threat actors come from outside the organization. So about 73% of the cyber attacks are perpetrated by outsiders. The interesting part here though is members of organized criminal group were behind half of the data breaches. That about 50% of the data breaches were actually perpetrated by organized criminal group. And in that total percentage, 12% beyond that is also contributed by nation state or state affiliated actors. Now, what this means is for that ostrich syndrome that some organizations have that we may not be targeted and we are up against these guys who are there for fun ideology and grudge what we see is you're up against very very highly resourced highly funded and very well organized group and therefore i think it's very very important pertinent for organizations to really up their game on cyber security in terms of the victims we see majority of the attacks fall back on financial services companies about 24% of the data breaches about 15% of the data breaches on healthcare sector and then about about 12% on the public sector. If you ask me about some of the specific call-outs in terms of the findings, we see ransomware is the top variety of malicious software. In fact, it has risen from number five, number one. And specifically, if I give you a glimpse, you know, we basically saw that ransomware attack doubled this year. They were already doubled last year in our report. So we see a year on year 100% increase, which is very, very big. And we see 39% of malware related breaches were actually ransomware breaches, right? The important thing also, which goes along with ransomware is malware and in the malware side of things the disturbing trend there is about 37% of the malware that we see is unique now that's a very very important takeaway for organizations to start realizing that while there are scattered techniques that happen and you know you may be a victim of a feud attack distributed attack on multiple entities with the same malware but then about 37% of the malware we saw was completely unique and hence never used again and possibly it was targeted the other very important trend is on ransomware Side sort of things is that we see ransomware is moving from end user devices more towards server class and enterprise class devices. So while they're off the shelf kit that any amateur can create and deploy ransomware in a matter of minutes, what we can see is they can do far more damage if it is basically going to attack a file server or worse, a database.
0: Well, that's really a revelation. I mean, what you spoke about ransomware and the growth that is seen in the last two years and the idea that so much unique malware is in use, though it's possibly targeted attacks taking place. But how do you see practitioners or organizations are responding to this? Have you seen any maturity that has come over the past year? Well, I think that's that's a bit of a difficult question
1: because what happens is it depends on the caseload that we get, right? In most of the cases, we don't get a complete story on the containment side of things, right? But looking at the growth, the mere growth of ransomware in our data set I think there is a lot that needs to be done whether it is about considering even the basic hygiene practices on end user endpoint security antiviruses while with all due respect they are signature based technologies but then even going to the next level of technology on EDR the endpoint detection response controls and of course things that could actually do behavioral analysis and stop ransomware in its footsteps right at the start of course patching and updating software as you would easily agree with that was one of the major fiascos that happened in terms of the WannaCry attack as to how it spread it was not only a ransomware it was a ransomware with a worm capability right so it was spreading like a wildfire and of course I think important thing out there is that you must make people your first line of defense I think you need to train your staff to spot the warning signs, and of course they need to make sure who to notify when they see something suspicious
0: right so how about we talk a little bit about some of the emerging methodologies and tactics in the past year
1: in terms of what we see, in terms of the tactics, majority of our uh, threat actions are still in terms of denial of service attack on the incident side of story, denial of service attack, phishing, ransomware, C2 related attack, command and control, hacking and RAM scrapers, of course, mainly to do with the point of sale systems and also cardholder data processing systems. And mainly on the breaches side of things, the top side actions that we see are essentially to do with hacking, which may include even use of stolen credentials, again, phishing as well as privileges use, and of course, the C2 backdoor as well. From a malware Type perspective, I think mostly we see multiple stage malware. You know, so first stage could be a, a innocuous looking JavaScript or a VB script, and then you know, second stage could be the binaries with respect to Windows executable or a .com or any Linux binaries. But even on the first stage side of things, you could even have a very simple looking Microsoft Office you know document which could be laden with a malware, and then of course could be a Adobe PDF or or things like those which are which are generally usually used in day to day office work, so that it could be camouflaged. The bad stuff can be camouflaged behind those.
0: Right. So it seems to me that the most prominent vector still remains email. Is that correct?
1: Oh, yeah, I think that's a that's a big point uh, you are raising. Because to be honest, I think one of the things I must call out is that the human factor continues to be a big weakness. And, uh, you know, of course, people make mistakes, often costly ones. What we saw was that employees are still falling victim to social attack, whether it is about phishing or protecting, they still represent a vast variety and a majority of our data breach uh, data set with email, to your point, continuing to be the main entry point of compromise. 96% of the cases that we saw in terms of the social incidents and the data breaches that had phishing and protecting it was all through email 96% as I mentioned and of course companies what we see is are nearly three times more likely to get reached by social attacks than by actual technical vulnerabilities again that strongly emphasizing the need for ongoing employee cybersecurity education a uh, bottom line I think what is being m- mainly attacked is not the system that is powered on
0: but the human factor as a practitioner and a breach investigator, what are some findings from this year's report that most excite you or maybe surprise you that you can share with us?
1: Yeah, I think what really stands out is possibly, like I said, right, ransomware attacks are absolutely increasing. We were very happy. In fact, let me share with you a silver lining that we saw in the report. We saw that about 78% of the people that we had simulation tests on with respect to phishing attacks did not fall for a phishing test, right? But the flip side of that is 4% of the people would fall for any phishing campaign, any. And as you would know, uh, for a phishing campaign, for a phishing attack, you only need one click. You only need one gap to be exploited, right? So that's that's one big revelation that we see. Of course, like I mentioned on the ransomware stuff, uh, that's something uh, was possibly predictable. And I think we were expecting that and we saw that in the numbers. As you know, it is a very data heavy and actual on-ground numbers, not a survey report. What was uh, possibly a bit of a shaker story for us was in terms of the attacks on healthcare sector you know attacks on healthcare sector are uh, not uh, really towing the line with respect to other attacks in other sectors so what we see in healthcare sector most of the attackers are internal as contrary to the other verticals where most of the attackers are external so i think healthcare sector really needs to put its attacks together in terms of not only focusing outward but also focusing a lot inward to see and really manage the insider threat part of it including whether it is inadvertent errors or whether they are a well-intentioned attack and then of course some of the things things. that we see emerging now beyond our report is on the crypto jacking side of things because that's like emerging as a very lucrative method for the cyber terminals to get their booty quickly from what we see in the market as recent as in last few months, which obviously is beyond the data set of the data breach investigation report that is containing the data set of 2017 ending by December 2017.
0: Right. So we'll probably see uh, signs of that in next year's report. So that's a good uh, prediction to look forward to. Ashish, uh, what are some action points and recommendations that you can share with practitioners for the coming year?
1: Yeah, I think, again, not a huge shift on the recommendation side of story. Of course, while you are designing your security strategy, you have to have those basic hygiene elements tightened and bolted completely, right? You cannot really have any excuse on that side of story because that's unpardonable. If you lower your guard, you below basic hygiene practices, whether it is about having a good network segmentation, having a robust amount of network security controls, of course, multi-factor authentication, and of course, anti-malware, both at the endpoint and at the gateway level. And of course, we're having a very strong visibility. What I would say specifically that I think looking at the recent trend on phishing and a DDoS and ransomware, I think on the ransomware side of the story, I would call out that I think companies really need to, first of all, really uh, go back to the basic and look at their backup strategy to see how they can protect themselves when a ransomware attack happens. Backup is possibly the only savior if you don't want to pay ransom and possibly sometimes you may never want to pay ransom. And we don't encourage that, of course. In any case, what we would recommend on the ransomware side of things is really going the next level, right? Your antiviruses, signature based technologies are, are good to have they must exist but they are not going to stop those attacks at all I think you need to really up the game go to the next level in terms of endpoint detection and response you know really lock down your asset from not only from an endpoint standpoint as well as from a gateway filtering standpoint because most of the attacks as you could see come from the email as we illustrated so very strong gateway level controls on email and web browsing need to be in place from a phishing standpoint you really need to go back again and give the sensitive users possibly you know if you have extra sensitive users, you may want to really evaluate, you know, sandbox OS technique, you may want to do from an awareness standpoint, role playing game, maybe to try to do a gamification to see, uh, bring a bit of interest into the whole thing. Of course, multi factor authentication is a technical control you may want to employ against phishing. And now, of course, you really need to separate your, your golden nugget from the non critical ones, right? You need to create those network checkpoint air gap, perhaps within your network. And then on the DDoS side of things, again, you know, you really need to have DDoS mitigation services. At the same time, you need to do rate throttling from your ISP level, rate limiting from your firewall, router, and web server levels, and at the same time, remove vulnerabilities. End of the day, I would say, stay vigilant. You need to have strong visibility. Never forget the importance of threat intelligence and threat hunting, and of course, never ever forget the people. Make them your first line of defense, and really keep on stressing on that objective over and over again, because like I said, right, people are possibly the strongest link and the weakest link.
0: Excellent. Ashish, just a follow-up question. I think this might be interesting for the audience. Not so much to do with the findings of the report, but considering the vast amount of data, the data set that you have at hand and how you mine that data for insights, are you using some kind of analytics? What's the process? Can you share something around the secret sauce in DBIR?
1: Well, I think the secret sauce in DBR essentially is around the data set. So the way it comes together, you know, is based on not only breach investigation that Verizon does, also the contributing organizations that come together with us, but how we kind of help solve the puzzle is based on the network visibility that we have globally in terms of the network traffic we see being a tier one global IP. That really is the core from an asset perspective from, you know, the assets that we have on the field. Obviously, we get a lot of telemetry data out of that in terms of analytic, I think Think, of course, we recently acquired a company called Niddle that is helping us solve this on machine learning and analytics part of the story. And we are already implementing controls and methodologies based on the learning that we are getting from Nidl. And of course, like I said, right, we are, ourselves create a lot of intelligence. We subscribe a lot of intelligence ourselves. We gather a lot of open source intelligence. And of course, the intelligence that comes from our partners as part of the their initiative and the ongoing investigation. So I think uh, it's a conglomeration of all the inputs that we get. So it's not an easy answer in terms of secret sauce and these are the differentiators that help us stand a little away from the crowd and shine on that side
0: i think you know it, it, it's been a very important year for security petia not petia wanna cry i wonder what the next year is going to be like and i look forward to next year's finding hopefully uh, we will have learned some lessons and security maturity will also have improved in the coming year thank you ashish thanks so much for taking the time and sharing your insight
1: Always a pleasure to talk to you, Varun. Thank you very much.
0: So that was Ashish Thapar, who is managing principal APJ at Verizon Enterprise Solutions. For ISMG, this is Varun Haran. Thanks for listening.